Welcome back to Inside Voices, a teacher podcast by teachers for teachers, where we discuss all things education from STEM in the classroom to special events. I'm your host, Laura. And I'm David. And remember that in here, we use our Inside Voices. All right, on this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the power of relationships and how the relationships that you build in the classroom can sort of shape everything from classroom management to you know the output you get from, from tasks and such. So to open us up, David, I'm going to ask you if you can remember or think of any teacher that really sticks out for you when you were in school. Yeah, I'm just going to put like a disclaimer out there right now. We had parents evening this week and... My voice has not recovered. <laughs> so uh, that was, what, two days ago? Yeah. And when you talk for five hours straight on top of a teaching day, like I, I genuinely lose my voice every time. I don't yeah. know if you're the same. But this it's, is, I actually was speaking to somebody about this who teaches in Canada and they were saying it's, they were totally shocked that that's what we do here because yes. they get a day, they take the work day, so like a, an in-service day and they do their appointments in the in-service day and then maybe up to like four or five o'clock and that's what they do for that day. So they don't teach, they do a work day for it. I saw that and I thought, Amazing. what a great idea. But then I also thought, we also get a lot of days off. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that that would fly uh, with that's parents. True. But yeah, we I was in school till what, nine o'clock yeah. at night. So absolutely gubbed. Don't know how we went in the next day and taught. But it was just kind of like a fever dream, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so voice is a bit husky this morning. But back to your question, it was a teacher that I remember from school. So... I've got kind of two so the first one is a primary school teacher and the difference between the relationship is quite uh, interesting so in primary three to be honest all my primary school teachers I, I absolutely loved um, but I just remember this primary three teacher she was maybe in the last couple of years of teaching she taught my dad she taught my sister like she'd been there she was kind of part of the furniture she was brilliant and she was a kind of like even back then, I saw her as a kind of grandma type, like, give everyone a big hug. Like, she was oh. such a nice teacher. Well, that's what I remember from primary <laughs> three. There's probably some people out there like, that's not what it, what it was for me. <laughs> but she was just that warm, lovely kind of person, but also fierce. Like, she was so yeah. strict, really high standards, and I absolutely loved being in her class. She was just so interesting. Like... She lived in America half her life and she had all these stories and everything from America and just a really interesting person and really nice. Different in high school. Uh, in high school, I had a couple of teachers that I really got on with and they were mainly younger teachers. Mm -hmm. um, again, a Canadian guy and he had such a cool name and he was just a cool guy. And we all loved him. He was our history teacher. And I felt sorry for him because he had to replace the history teacher that had been there since the start of the school. So the history teacher that had been there had taught my dad and had taught me in first year. And then he left and retired. And it was like this big gap that was left. And this Canadian guy came in and he was honestly brilliant. Like he was just really strict, but cool as well. Yeah. And I just totally responded to that. Loved history. Um, had a cracking accent as well <laughs> and just said things that were quite cringe but also like he just got away with it because yeah. he was just a cool guy. Do you have any that stick out to you? I think for me a lot, same as you, my primary school teachers were all incredible. I loved all of my primary school teachers. We had a teacher in primary seven who we had her for about half the year and she retired towards the end of, actually it was primary six, sorry. She retired towards the end of the year so we didn't have her for the full time. 
but she was she kind of had a reputation for being like the strictest teacher in the school so when we went into primary six everyone was really yeah (laughs) everyone was really nervous but she was just lovely like the same she was just so caring and compassionate but also really held you accountable and I think that I kind of I like that but I really enjoyed school most of the time but when I got into like my senior years of high school like fourth fifth year I just didn't really like I enjoyed being at school and learning mm-hmm. but I didn't enjoy like the school environment like at all I was kind of over it just wasn't the most comfortable there and my RMPS teacher so I did higher and advanced higher RMPS was amazing I just that same but held you accountable and held you to a high standard which was also good so in the days where you're going oh, what's the point I you know I can't be bothered mm-hmm. it was kind of holding you accountable for that but also just so welcoming and understanding and didn't ever just kind of I feel like when I was going in and I was having a rotten day it wasn't just but you're 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 16 like what what can really be going on it's nothing that bad you know but it was never that it was always like you're having a rotten day just come and even just sit at the back of the class and he used to let me I always remember and like if we had free periods he would let me go in and help the younger ones Mm -hmm. and I feel that's kind of what made me want to be a teacher as yeah. well I didn't really know I was kind of lost at the last few years of high school I didn't know what I wanted to do I knew what I enjoyed doing in school and what I enjoyed learning but I didn't know what I was gonna do I was kind of that crisis stage of mm-hmm. I'm leaving school I don't actually like school at this point but I don't know what I want to do, do you know that's so interesting because I had the exact same <clears throat> um situation that a teacher inspired me to be a teacher I left high school and uh, went and did accountancy for two years don't know why. Worst decision ever. Interesting but choice. I was quite good at maths. I thought, do you know what? There's money to be made. It's a good career, you know, that kind of thing. I just was, I had my kind of sensible hat on, wanted to get yeah. in. I didn't even know the first thing about accountancy and finance. So when I turned up at university, I left after fifth year and I turned up at university because I was the same as you. I just wanted out of high school. And, um, to be honest, it wasn't a good decision. I should have done a sixth year, I should have stayed on. But when I was reassessing after two years of failing through accountancy, playing snooker too much and all that <laughs> stuff, um, when I reassessed and thought, do you know what? I actually have done work experience in schools. I've done like youth work, like my whole life through church and different things. I've, I love it. Like I've got quite a passion for it I, I don't know if I've got a talent for it yet but I was reassessing I thought do you know what I actually want to be like a teacher I had because I had a teacher in primary seven that was um a guy teacher which we can come on to like how that <laughs> impacts yeah. uh, certain pupils but I had a guy teacher and he just kind of had things right like he had such a good work-life balance he was an interesting person he made my last year of primary school really enjoyable he did the football team all these things and I thought you know what that's such a good career and I relate to it in a lot and he kind of inspired that a little bit if he ever listens to this which I don't know if he ever will (laughs) but if he ever does I actually might bump into him at some point as well which would be awkward but if he ever does well now he knows but that kind of was in my head. It's mm-hmm. weird how you look back and think, oh, I would quite like to be like that person. Yeah. Or I'd quite like to be like her or him, which is interesting because that means you've got something with that person, like a relationship with them. And I think to be sitting here as well, all those years later and to be fondly remembering people who, for us, we were, or for them, sorry, we were a part of their career. You know, although you have a, in primary school, it's a bit different. You have a class for a year. Mm-hmm. They're still your students the whole way through. It's just interesting that we're sitting here 
saying how much of an impact these people had on our yeah. lives. And sometimes they probably they might not even realise it. You know, totally. when, you, when you're a child, you don't really appreciate that. And not that you need to give thanks, but if I had the head on my shoulders that I have now, when I was in fifth year, I would have been over saying, you know, I don't think you realise how grateful I am to have mm-hmm. had uh, a role model like you to look up to. But the best, well, sorry to cut you off, but the best thing that he ever did for me was it was my dream to get in the football team in primary school. It was totally my dream and I never managed it because they had quite a strict policy in primary school. It was a big primary school and they had quite a strict policy that it was the best to get in and that is it. We're here to win. We're here to... And I actually really respected that because I thought, well, I want to be the best. Yeah. So I worked and worked and worked and worked, went to all the trainings, did all the clubs. My problem was I was never actually in a team outside of school. I just played on my own and I was too small as tiny in school and essentially we went to this school school football tournament and we had a team A and a team B and the team B was obviously the ones that didn't make it into the team but we're giving them a little run around and I was just so buzzing to be in that team to even make it in did all the trials and everything and then he came up to me at one of the trials and said I want you to be the captain of the B team and you look back and you think oh my goodness I was the captain of the B team never made it into the A team but actually that like he won't even remember doing that yeah do you know what I mean like whatever it was 15 years ago or something but that made a big impact to me because it made me think well I've actually been working hard here he's actually seen that I've worked hard and I've determined I've maybe just not got the build or the skill yet and I'll get that down the line or whatever but um yeah that was a that, that had a big impact on me in primary school yeah and it totally shows why relationships are important so now as a teacher when you look at it do you sort of use that how you felt about certain teachers, do you use that in your own practice to sort of tell you or help to sort of motivate you to remember how how or why relationships are, are that important? Yeah, it can motivate you negatively and it can motivate you positively, can't it? Because you are constantly thinking now as an adult um, of the impact that you have on children and the little things that you say, um, the little things that you say to children have a big impact like that, getting put in the captain of the B team, he won't remember doing that. I don't remember making people in my class captain of the school football team, but that will have been a huge thing in their life. For me, it was like, okay, who do I make captain? Uh, I'll choose that person. And it's not that big a decision, but for them, it's like massive. And I think you have to be uh, aware as a teacher that relationships are the foundation of everything that Mm -hmm. you do. And I think we can't underplay it at all we, we really can't it's hard to put into words how important they are yeah and I feel like you because you hear it so much though as well when I was at uni they sort of they drilled it into you they drilled it into you they drilled it into you and it, it's true it's extremely important but when you're hearing something that often I feel like you kind of go yeah okay you get used to it yeah you get used to it but like I said it's important to circle back to it and just remind yourself of that constantly there was a, a little quote I was looking at it said no significant learning can take place unless there is a significant relationship mm. there and it sort of made me think about my practice and how that works and how I sort of compared it to the start of the year versus the end of the year so at the start of the year when you first meet your class there aren't relationships there unless you've taught them before or you know you know them from passing in the corridors you know them from passing and speaking to other other classes and working with other classes for me as well when I moved stages I did not know my class a couple of years ago at all so I had previously sort of followed classes up to the school and I'd stayed at the same stage and I'd worked with them so I knew a lot of them but when I moved stage I did not know them at all 
And it was so interesting how much difference. Yeah, that practice has to shift because you don't have that sort of mutual respect at that point. And I can speak to that as well this year because I've had my class before. Yeah. So I had them in primary four and now I've got them in primary seven. And it was like right in day one because you've already got that relationship with them. Plus they were right next to me in primary six the year before and we did a lot of work together. So the relationship actually was already there. Mm -hmm. And that makes such a difference. So we tend to take three weeks at the start of the year, don't we? Um, to build relationships, build classroom, you know, uh, environments and things. And uh, we did not need that this year because it was already there. You know, the children knew who they were coming to. They knew that what they were getting with me. They knew what type of person I was. And it made such a difference yeah. because it saved us so much time just getting straight in. So why do you think then that relationships are making that much of a difference? We're all human, I think. And it's hard to kind of quantify, to be honest. Um, it's hard to put into, you know, this, like you couldn't really put it into a graph or a table no. or something. But I think the basis of it is if you like someone and you uh, get on with them, you respect them, you're going to listen to what they say a little bit more. Uh, you're going to have that little bit more motivation to do what they ask you to do. Um, you're going to want to please them as well, which a lot of children want to do uh, for their teacher. And those basics of a relationship, it, it builds trust. And I think trust is so important for a teacher-pupil relationship. Because you're basically going in there and saying, right, I know all this stuff um, and I'm going to tell you all this stuff and you're just going to have to believe it basically. Yeah. Essentially, that's what it boils yeah. down to. Like, you obviously, you build trust, you go and you do your research and, oh, we're all learners and everything. But essentially, you're saying, listen, I'm the adult here. I've got a curriculum to teach you. And you're going to have to just take me, take my word for it at times. Um, and I can prove it to you and do all this. But without that basis of trust, the kids could just, you know, shut shop and just not be interested at all. Do you agree? I don't know if... Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And also, for me, where a lot of it comes in... Of the where you see the significance and the importance of relationships is a classroom environment can be intense, it can be quite tense, or it can be very relaxed. And I think there's even situations where, yes, what you're doing is maybe intense, maybe you're testing or you're doing a piece of work and you want that silent atmosphere, but still the even though it's silent and they're doing exactly what you're asking and you're holding them accountable, you can still totally tell and get a vibe for that room. And I think what I said earlier, why a teacher stuck out for me, it was never just told, you know, you're you're just a kid. Like, not that they would ever say that, but I never felt like anything was being just brushed under the carpet because, well, what do you know? You're 16 years old, you're eight years old, you're 10 years old, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And that's something that now I always just keep at the back of my mind that we're adults, so we see problems very differently to the way children see problems. And, you know, they've come in and they've fallen out with their friend. To us, we'd be saying, well, just sort it out. You know, in our heads as adults, that's what we're thinking. But you have to forget these children that I'm teaching have been on this planet for eight years. Yeah, That's not, that's not what works in that child's head. And you have to circle back to you're not thinking of a situation as how you would handle it. You're thinking, how does a child handle that situation? And yeah. how is that making them feel... And I think that's where a relationship is also really important because if they come and they're really upset about something, obviously you would comfort them and make sure they're feeling okay, but you truly have to have that relationship to be able to understand 
how to deal with that situation. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's that's so important because <laughs> you get so many different situations thrown at you as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've got, what, 28 this year? I don't know how many you've got, but you've got 28 different relationships there mm-hmm. um, with those children. And I think you have to know how to deal with every single one of them. Now, you've got paperwork in place for certain, you've got um, you've got files and things like that uh, for certain needs and all that kind of thing. But every child has needs. Every yeah. child has um their own little things of how they work through things and and yeah it's really important that you understand that person and see them as a person and see and treat them as you would want to be treated as well when you were in primary school or high school or whatever um, I do find it interesting that you said circle back twice so we might just put a circle back counter up on the screen <laughs> The amount of times you've said that. I know. <laughs> Have some you been watching some kind of corporate yeah, <laughs> jargon? Some of the saying of today. We'll circle back to that. I'll circle back to that email. Yeah. But so we'll just circle back to relationships <laughs> there. We'll come back on track to what we were actually talking about. I think yeah, if also, we just dot our I's and cross our T's, yeah. that'd be good. <laughs> As per my last email. I think when you're, what you're saying as well with knowing how to deal with every child differently it's not that you treat them differently or have different expectations yeah of course it is how you speak with them or how you adapt sort of not expectations in the sense of what they can achieve but expectations in the sense of okay I know that this child we've spoken before about it but I know that this child does not want to make eye contact and that's okay that's fine I'm not going to ask you to, I'm not going to ask you to sit and look at me whilst I'm talking because that's something you find difficult and that's fine, that's okay. That's knowing your students really well and I think that is probably, for me, one of the best ways to build a relationship is knowing, truly knowing your students well. So not just going by the paperwork, Yeah. actually knowing them as a person. And how do you, like, for people that aren't teachers, because I know a lot of our listeners actually aren't teachers, maybe parents or um, other people that are listening along, like, it might be difficult to understand how you actually do that with 28 people. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got a year, like in high school, it's different because you might have 300 students or something to deal with. I've got a lot of high school uh, teacher friends that it's very different because it's young adults, essentially, and uh, you don't see them for very long. But in primary school, you're with them all day, every day. And... Yeah, would you be able to give, like, how do you build relationships in your class? I think for me... Like, there's no, so, there's no silver bullet, but, like, what are the things that you put in place? Yeah, I, I think a big thing for me with building a relationship is actually being my true self with them as well. So I always, I, that sounds really... <laughs> that was yeah, it sounds really cringy <laughs> and cheesy, right? But when they come into the classroom, I always say to them, okay, like, I want you to hold me accountable too, because... You know what it's like? You're trying to watch 30, 30 children at once, right? So you turn around and it looks like they're talking, they're having a carry on. But actually, maybe something's happened in that situation. You've just read it wrong. And I say to them when they come in, I say, if I get something wrong, if I say to you, stop chatting and get on with your work and you're not chatting, tell me, like, come up. And I never really had that when I was in school. If a teacher said to me, you're doing this and I wasn't, you just kind of went, all right, okay, whatever, like. Cool. And it whereas, makes you lose respect for the teacher, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, I want you to hold me accountable too, because it would be wrong for me to stand up in front of them and say, you're going to respect me. And that's just it. Because that's not how it works in the real world, firstly. Yep. And also, I would be uncomfortable with that. So I say, I'm going to respect you and you're going to respect me. I'm not going to speak to you in a way that if you spoke to me, I'd be upset with. I'm not going to have a tone with you. 
I'm not going to raise my voice at you. I'm not, I, I mean, I try and stick with that and I've stuck with that my whole time. I've literally never heard you raise your voice. I, I, I don't raise my voice. I will wait and I'll sort of, sometimes I think you need to also take a step back and go take a breather and take yourself away from the situation because even though I say, right, I've not raised my voice, I won't raise my voice in the class. It doesn't mean there's not situations I'm not frustrated by. But actually, in that moment, I will stop them and I'll say, right, you're actually making me feel frustrated and pushing me to a point where I'm now starting to get annoyed with the situation and sort of show them that side of me that's genuine and human. <laughs> Do you remember the time that we were teaching uh, together and we had that open plan base? <laughs> it was the first time I ever raised my voice and you actually jumped out your skin. <laughs> I did get a little jump like, oh. scare <laughs> because I'd never done it before. And I've you, you kind of got this not quiet voice, but it's not the manly. Well, it sounds manly today, but it's not the manly sounding <laughs> voice in the world. And then I was just like, I just can't even remember what I said. I was like, Primus, and like, and literally roared. And and you were just like, oh, I didn't realize you had that in, <laughs> in you. <the> back, <laughs> like, like, never oh, heard that before. Gosh, okay, where did that come from? <laughs> but I'm the same. I, I really try not to do it. Um, and some people use, you know, your attention grabbers and think, things. I physically can't bring myself to do an attention grabber. Get a doorbell. Because, <laughs> well, I know you've got your doorbell, but I actually can't do the clapping. I can't say macaroni no. cheese, everybody freeze. I can't say what's up Scooby-Doo or whatever. Um, what was the one I heard the other day? Flat tire. Shh. Oh. And I know they work so well for so many people, but I just can't get over the cringe level of it for myself. Like, I, I, I look at the kids looking at me. And I'm like, oh, I know that was awful. But, and you see all the ones like the Gen Z teachers on uh, on Instagram and TikTok doing it and they're all like, got their Beyonce quotes and everything. I just can't. Um, but I think what you're saying is right, that you, I don't raise my voice. I, I respect the pupils and I try and find ways in with them. I make this really, really clear at the start of the year what my interests are. So I always do like a meet the teacher thing and I make it really clear what my interests are and I want to know what their interests are as well because they are people with interests mm -hmm. and people with interests are interesting people. So I always say to them, I'm interested in football. I love food. Um, I love McDonald's. Like I make it really on their level. Um, you know, I've got TikTok. I, I'm a person outside of this school mm -hmm. and... I speak to them about hill climbing and all that kind of random stuff that you're interested in as a person. And it comes out in drips and drabs as the years goes on and they can like find a link in there somewhere. Now I've got a kind of advantage of in this, in this being interested in football. Yeah. I have to say that as an advantage because I take the school football team, which immediately gives me kind of street cred because all the boys in my class want in that team and it can be used as a tool for behavior management sometimes. But actually being interested in football and being able to strike up a conversation with some of the kids in your class. Um, I say all the boys, actually I've got so many girls wanting in the team this year as well. I'm just in that mindset of seeing all the boys for some reason. And they love chatting to me about football. The first question I get every year, who's your favourite football team? Now in <laughs> Glasgow, you can't really come down on that one, to be honest. Rangers or Celtic. But I always talk to them about football on a Monday morning. And it is such a good way in with some of the kids in the class. Not all of them. Some of them yeah. actually can't stand it. But then I'll talk to them about Taylor Swift or the fact that I've got Eros Tour tickets. And it's just like, I'm a person, you're a person. Let's start to build mm. conversation and relationship. It's not taking away from learning time. I'll do it as we're getting ready for break yeah. or as we're leaving for lunch or at the end of the day. 
those little moments are actually really key. Yeah. I think for your, what you're saying as well is you get that from the students and you give that to the students, but remembering those little things that the students tell you uh-huh. is so important. What you did at the weekend uh-huh. or whatever. You yeah. know, it's little things as well. Like if they've had a haircut, they come in and go, oh, did you get a haircut? It looks, it looks great. Or if you're, for example, if you know they're going off to go to a NASCAR race, for example, where I don't know anyone's going to a NASCAR race. It's literally the first thing that came to my head. A I don't know NASCAR Mo- race MotoGP? Is in that? Glasgow. MotoGP's... <laughs> <laughs> they do not. I'm sure they do racing in Glasgow. I don't know. Not right. NASCAR. <laughs> Fine. Formula One. I don't Formula know. Formula One. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I know you're going. Okay. I'm going to ask you how it was. And it's funny you were mentioning, you'll say, okay, I'll talk to them about Taylor Swift. We were watching Newsround. I don't know if you watched this Newsround. It was on Thursday. We were watching Newsround and the, the editor film had, they were talking about the film premiere. And um, my class watched it and then my class from last year must have watched it as well because at the door on the way out, so many of them went, did you see news around Taylor Swift? Was on? Are you going to go? Are you going? And I just thought that was so sweet because obviously they remember from last year yep. and that's a relationship that's still there even though I don't teach them anymore. Yep. It's little things like that. So they, for, for them, they're paying attention to one person, but for you, you're paying attention to 30 people and their interests and what they like to do. Yeah. So, you know, oh, did you did you manage to get that build on Minecraft? Did you manage? And just little things like that. Yeah. So like the example last year and this year, actually, there's I've got a student last year and a student this year who are really into Star Wars and not like in an obsessive way, they just like Star Wars. And I like Star Wars. I've watched all the movies. I've seen all the shows. And so I thought, I'm going to rewatch those movies. Um just so I can actually talk to him. Yeah. Um, and last year in his report, the other student in his report, I wrote like a Star Wars quote um, from the Mandalorian. It's like, this is the way. So at the end, it was like, uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, little quotes you do, little things you do at the end. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep it up. You're doing so well. You'd be great for high school. This is the way. And that was just like a wee thing to show that that was a personalised report and that we had a relationship because we talked about Star Wars. And he brought it in the next day and he was just buzzing about it and things and his, his parents were chuffed to bits with it. And and then this year with this student, I saw in his handwriting jar, he was copying out his um, his reading book and it was about Star Wars and it was about General Grievous. This is so boring. If you're not interest, interested in Star Wars, you're literally falling asleep. <laughs> but it was like about General Grievous and Obi-Wan Kenobi and I just walked up to him and I was like, said a quote from the movie and he was just like, <gasps> as if like, how does he know the world. what Star Wars is about? Like, as if I didn't know before he was even born, but um, I think the quote, it's like a meme now as well. It's like, mm-hmm. um, ah, General Kenobi or whatever it is. I'm not even going <laughs> to, that's so cringe. But I said it to him and he loved it. And that just, he's maybe not interested in football. And so I found the thing that interests him and it just shows that I'm a real person and I can start to have like more mature conversations with him yeah. as well. And I think one of the tips that we got when we start, when I started teaching was when you first start out, you're trying to learn how to plan, how to balance curriculum, how to actually deliver a lesson, you know, learning tension, success criteria. There's so much goes into it. You kind of put your pressure on your, put pressure on yourself to do all those little things. But someone said to me, and you know, they were like, just write it down. If someone says to you, oh, at the weekend, I'm going to my little sister's birthday party and I'm so excited, write it down in a notebook. And I did that in my probation year quite a lot. I had, That's really interesting. Yeah, like a little list of things that just they mentioned and not that I would go and look at the list and be like, oh, how it was and read from a script. It wasn't that. It just sort of got it into my brain because I had so many other things to remember at that time that got it into my brain and I had it down and I was able to do it. Obviously, it comes a bit more naturally the more you do it. And I think the more comfortable you come become with 
the relationships, the more comfortable you come with your teaching and the more comfortable you become with actually delivering the curriculum and delivering the lessons. So that little quote that we said earlier about, you know, no significant learning can take place unless there's a significant relationship. I think that is completely true. I think it comes, if it comes from someone you respect and someone that you admire and someone that you truly think that is a, a good person standing in front of me, okay, they hold me accountable, but they're a good person. And I I like being in their class. And you do take what they're saying a bit more, not seriously, yeah, but you, you would- wait it a little bit more. Yeah, you, you would wait it a little bit more and value their opinions a little bit more, I suppose. Yeah. So right, obviously talking about different interests and things, and it was funny you mentioned Taylor Swift. So that's a massive thing right now. And as silly as it sounds, it's one of the things that I think you can really utilise in your classroom because- I love I love playing music in my class. I I am not really a silent kind of gal. I I like really quiet <laughs> shock. I like quiet, but I don't like silence. I find silence like a bit awkward. Do you know if we're all working? I'm like not a fan of it being completely silent. So a classroom playlist for me is one of the best things you can do, but also one of the things you can do if you have that relationship there. Because if you are not respected and you're not respecting them as well, it can just go wild and it can yeah. be you know everyone chatting over each other and try to talk about the music and things but it, nobody in my class does that we all we put the music on and we work and it's fine and it just kind of breaks that awkwardness for me a classroom place is such a good tool to use music is a great way to link and connect with your students especially with the taylor swift eras too i've got so many kids in my class that are jealous that we've got tickets um but um sometimes you're worried that like the music comes on because sometimes I've had it where the music comes on on the radio or something that you're playing and it's like, oh, I know that that's got words in it that aren't okay for children. Yeah. It's explicit. It's not family friendly. But obviously we've spoken about and we've used before Kids Bop is really good for having child friendly music. Mm -hmm. It changes some of the words um, from the songs that are maybe explicit or changes some of the ideas evenly, even so sometimes it's not even that it changes you know, there might be a swear word or something in there. It's not even that it changes that. Sometimes it actually changes phrases mm -hmm. and things so that the ideas are child-friendly as well, which I think is more important sometimes yeah. um, for the children. So you can make playlists with kids' pop music. They just basically take hits uh, like we've used before. They take classic hits, they take pop hits, they take the things that are on the radio and they um, make versions of them that are clean. Yeah, and they're always updating it as well, which I quite like. So there's tons of Taylor Swift songs that are popular now from the tour that they have made and it, we were doing gym and they have a version of Antihero that came on and it was adorable because they all started singing along and they yeah. were singing along to this song and it's not a song that I thought I would have been able to really play but because they've got this version of it we could play it and they absolutely loved it and I think they also really like that it's kids that are singing it because yeah. it's a bit more relatable for them as well but they also have dance alongs so if you go on to the Kids Bop yes, website so and the do. teacher resource, there's like dance alongs that they can go on and do. Uh -huh. And, and they, that can be a great warm up at PE yeah, or something. Yeah. They love them. It's, so I'm in the back. I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah, of course I want to do it. Like, of course. <laughs> the kids are dancing <laughs> and you're giving it. <laughs> have you seen me? I'm going to have the time of my life doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'll be dancing along, but <laughs> I'll let the children do it. So since we've started the podcast... Um, obviously we've had quite a lot of questions we've been inundated with questions <laughs> so we thought we would start to do a little segment uh, since we're doing slightly longer episodes now we thought we would do a little se a segment on teacher Q&A so I popped on my Instagram uh, last night and you 
had people messaging you over and over and over. So we're going to answer a couple of questions. If you do have any questions that you want, anytime, um, if you follow us on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and we pop up a Q&A, let us know because we'll, we'll, be happy to, we'll be happy to answer any question. So the first one we got is quite interesting. Someone asked us, what other names did you think of apart from Inside Voices? Now this oh is my like, goodness. <laughs> it took this us three weeks. This hits a nerve because this took so long to choose a name. Yeah. Who came up with Inside Voices? Uh, yeah, boy. <laughs> but do you <laughs> know that way where it was like the one when we when we heard it, it was like, that's the one. Yeah. And But we did, we finally, we actually did have another name for the podcast. Yeah, and then, right up until about two days before. Y- yeah, we were literally about to, we had booked the studio, we were coming in to film. And then you sent me a text with a screenshot and it was a podcast that had the exact same name. Yep. And I was just, I was like, devastated because it took us so long to come up with that what was it called again was it beyond the textbook textbook. can i just talk about how that wouldn't have been a good name for no and also we for our podcast we for so long were set on that and it took us so long to come up with that yeah we were trying to think of ones that were catchy maybe had a bit of alliteration in there and it was just not it was not we sat in starbucks for about three hours that night i think and we still didn't leave with a name i think i've got a list there were there was some we actually put it through chat gpt as well we were that desperate and the ones they came up with were truly terrible but inside voices we landed in inside voices because it's like it's we're inside a nice pun inside voices yeah and also it's like a kind of double meaning yeah that's true what was your question so i got asked a question and i think this is one that i've been asked like three or four times now so a good one to answer is um from a student who said they're going out on placement after the october break so they're going out on placement pretty soon when this goes up probably within the next couple of days and just saying that you know as a student obviously you feel nervous before going into a placement you're not sure what to expect so it was a bit of advice if you could give a bit of advice to any i know there are quite a few students that, that listen to this and watch the videos and such so postgrad or four-year we have different experiences I did the postgrad you did the four-year course but if you were to give a piece of advice to a student who's about to go on to their first placement or a new placement what would it be? So I actually did six years of university if you were listening earlier <laughs> I did two extra years of accountancy <laughs> which is not advisable. A slightly different from my perspective for your perspective. So my placements were, they built up really slowly, whereas you probably get chucked in at the deep end. Yes. So my placements were like two days in first year and then three weeks in second year. And then by third and fourth year, it was like 16 weeks or whatever. So that allowed me to settle in really easily. But the one piece of advice I would give to a student, if I was given a main piece of advice, the one piece of advice I would give to a student would be to not let the experience overwhelm you and to find the moments that are enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It's an intense, intense year. You have a file, you know, well, we had physical files. I don't know if it's all online now. I think it's all online, yeah. My file literally was a brick. It was huge. You had to do lesson plans for every single lesson, and it is really intense, and no one really prepares you for that until you actually do it. Some people then go and work afterwards. You know, they might have a job, that they have to go and do because mm-hmm. they're still having to pay rent and things. And it's really easy to let it overwhelm you. And I'm saying don't let it overwhelm you. That's so airy-fairy. But there's obviously strategies and things that you can put into place. Don't work on a Saturday, that kind of thing. But it's also easy to get sucked into the mindset of this needs to become my everything. Mm-hmm. And it actually doesn't. Once you're out of the placement, you're like, oh, that was not as intense as it should have been. Or that was not as intense as it needed to be or whatever it is. 
but in the moment you just get so sucked in. That doesn't mean you're lazy. That doesn't mean you don't give everything because as a student, you're also thinking, I could maybe get a job here next year. Yeah. But you can't let it overtake your life. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. There's definitely things you can put in place and that would put you in good stead for teaching in general, which we've spoken about before in the teacher wellbeing episode. I think for me, it's also important to remember that firstly, the teacher you're watching teach has been doing it for a while. They've been through the uni cycle. They've likely been teaching for a good few years. They know their class. They know their school. They know the systems. They know what they they need to be doing. So you're watching them and probably thinking, how do they do that? They don't have notes. They don't have a lesson plan. How? How are they coming up with these things? How do they know that's what they've got to say? Because I don't know that's what I was thinking. I was sitting in the back of the classroom going, how is this teacher doing this? Because flabbergasted, they're remembering all these curriculum points and all the things they need to say. But... You just need to keep telling yourself they have been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. and they do it every day and they are past the point of needing to learn the sort of structure of teaching and the sort of curriculum aspects and the foundations of teaching. They know how to do that part now. Yep. And also teaching is one of those jobs where if you ask someone what makes a good teacher, you're going to get a hundred different responses. You're going to get someone who says a good teacher is someone who knows how to deliver the curriculum sort of step by step or you might get someone who says it's someone who thinks outside of the box still delivers the curriculum but does it in a different way it's someone who does a lot of active learning or it's someone who gets a lot of written work out of their students you're going to get a different answer from almost everyone every school is different every teacher is different and it's not to say that because you teach differently you're not a good teacher you know we teach differently I think you're a great teacher so do I (laughs) (laughs) excuse me yeah you're good as well thanks (laughs) Why did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) You are, you are, right? You're being modest here, but you are. You're a good teacher. But everybody sees a good teacher as something different. So there might be some things that you watch your teacher do and you go, oh, I wouldn't do that. And that's okay. That's fine. That's all right. There might be things you watch and say, I really like that they do that. You don't need to be a carbon copy of your teacher. And if your mentor is a good and understanding mentor, they will recognise that as well. But also, if you have anything that you're not sure of in that situation with how you're getting on or the feedback you're getting or anything like that, it's okay to speak to your mentor. It's okay to speak to your uni. Just make sure you're doing that because if it were to come to the point of your evaluation and your observed lesson at the end and you just sort of said all these things that you weren't sure of at that time. It's like, why didn't you bring that up six weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. it's not going to reflect well. So it's okay to stay in touch with these people. And like I said, a good mentor and a good teacher is going to understand that. Yeah. And I asked like literally a million questions yes. when I was a student. If you've but, got it in your head, just ask it. Yeah, there's actually no silly questions. No. I feel like we could do a full episode on that. So that may be something that we circle back to. <laughs> we might circle, back, <laughs> might circle back to that topic <laughs> as a full episode. I feel like we'll do yeah, that in future. Absolutely. So kind of coming back to the relationship side of things, um, again, one aspect of relationships that I think really improves your practice is if you've got the relationships, you are winning at behaviour management a lot of the time, I would think. So we've spoken about behaviour management and how... It's sort of shifted in the last few years. Restorative practice is a big part, I think, of relationships for me because restorative practice, I think sometimes people think it's the taking away of consequence. It's not. It's involving children in the consequence and making sure they understand this consequence is natural to what has happened and only when it's necessary. So it's not, okay, you misbehaved because you talked in the line on a Monday and now you're not getting golden time on Friday. 
we can't even remember what happened on the Monday. It's nothing to do with the fact we're now sitting playing on a Friday and it's not beneficial because they don't remember why it's not relative. It is not a natural consequence for their action of speaking in a line. So restorative practice, I think, works really well if you've got those relationships in place. I don't know if you think behaviour management and, and relationships, they obviously go hand in hand, but what's your experience of that? Like behavior management requires good relationships. I, I don't think you can, the, the two are completely married together. So if you're going to give someone um, into trouble, or if you're going to pull someone up for their behavior, you're going to have to do it in a way that is making sure that that behavior is corrected, but also making sure that that child then comes back on side. And without a good relationship, that's really tricky to do because you could turn a child off immediately, um, especially if you were being unfair to that child. You think about it as a parent. um, I'm not a parent, but I have been parented. And you think about it as um, that child-parent relationship. There is such a strong bond there that when there's that trust, that relationship, the child always then comes back uh, to the parent, even when the parent has taken something away from them or uh, corrected their behaviour in some way. It's similar as a teacher, although not as strong a bond, obviously. It is similar as a teacher that you need to be able to bring that child back in and the relationship is the foundation of that. So I could speak to children in my class um, in a certain way and know full well that they are going to come back on side within 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I could then speak to other children in my class in a different way and know full well that's going to bring them back on side and dealing with them differently. It's not that you lower your consequences or lower your expectations of the children in your class. It's that you um, understand how they're going to respond to things. So for example, sorry, for example, um, I could say to a child in my class, short, sharp, stop doing that. Uh, You need to get back on task. Boom, they're back. Mm -hmm. And they're already on side with me because they're thinking, oh, he's annoyed that I've done that, um, I need to get back on track, I need to get on my work. And, and they've got that respect level and they want to please and all that stuff and they get back on immediately. But with another child, I could say to them the same thing and that doesn't make any difference, they just keep doing what they're doing. So that requires, okay, can you come and have a chat with me just now? Or that requires, a, okay, here's my expectations, you kneel down beside them, you do the whole thing, you kneel down beside them, you say you've got 20 seconds to get back on task or you've got a minute to get back on task and here's my three expectations of how you're going to do that if they don't then you go and have a proper conversation with them and and so forth yeah and knowing what to offer as well so like you said it's if you could go over and say okay you've got one minute to go back on task or you might go over and say are you feeling overwhelmed right now would you like to go or i can see you're feeling overwhelmed would you like to go and take a brain break circle back when you're ready we're using it again. Come back. 19th time. <laughs> Come back when you're ready and when you're comfortable. But I think understanding that it might take them 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, might be the next day. You have to be understanding of that. And it doesn't mean that this child doesn't respect you or this child doesn't appreciate the relationship they have with you. It might just be it takes a little bit longer to process and that's okay. And I have a rule in my class. I don't force students or children to say sorry. I can talk to them and I can explain to them the situation, how they made somebody else feel or how it made me feel, you know, if there was a situation that involved me. But I'm not going to force someone to say sorry because all that does is make them go, well, the teacher told me to say sorry. It's a fake apology. And they don't know why they're apologising if they've not truly recognised it themselves. So, yeah, that apology might take a day. It might take a week. It might take 10 minutes. But 
I think understanding that, like you said, it could take 10 minutes, it could take however long it's going to take knowing your children well and where that relationship comes in well or comes in handy is because then you can say, well, this situation has arisen and I know it might take this child a day to come back to me. It's okay. Yep. It's fine. I think the key to unlocking behaviour management for me in my personal practice has been recalling when that child has done something good and reminding them of it. It's such a good tool. So say, for example, a child is is uh, not behaving the way that you've expected. They're maybe uh, acting out in class, whatever it is. You can pull them aside and say, you've set higher standards for yourself. And here's three examples of when you did that. And we need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing there is really interesting. So what you're doing is, first of all, reminding them of a standard that they've set for themselves that they can go and reach again. It's showing the showing them that they've done it before, so it's not something new or heavy that you're asking them to do. And secondly, you're kind of reinforcing that you trust them to do that themselves. And you're not saying to them, um, immediately you've got five minutes off your golden time, and then they resent you. You know, yeah. and what you're actually doing is is so beneficial because you're saying, listen, I've seen you do well and you're praising them slightly for it. You're saying, I've seen you, you know, complete this task to the best of your ability. I've seen you sit quietly for 10 minutes and, and do this, that and the other. I've seen you being really kind to your friends and all that. Whatever the situation is, let's get back to the standard that you set for yourself and the person that we see every day and the person that I've got a relationship with. You're currently not acting like that. But I want you to get back to that. And without the relationship, it's just some like robot speaking to you doing that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got someone that's like doing the whole, remember when your dad used to be like, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed thing. Stings. Sometimes that actually works well um, because you're saying, this isn't what you normally act like, mm-hmm. but I trust you to get back there and I'm not going to be any different. I'm not going to act any differently towards you. The second thing that is like the silver bullet for behavior management is every day is a fresh day. Yes. With relationships. So important. So that when they walk into my class in the morning, morning, how you doing? Yeah, And you don't I leave don't, on a bad note either. Even if I'm still annoyed with them from the day before and we left, you know, things were a shambles the day before, whatever it was, they still get a fresh start every morning because yeah. they need to know that they leave their problems at the door. They come into my class. It's a safe space. And and they are going to be respected um, every morning. And then that builds a relationship and they start to, d- to give it back. So yeah. I, does that work for you? I think that yeah. works really well for me. And that's that classic analogy that you hear. And we want, Everyone's seen the film. Every teacher has seen that uh, TED talk. You know, Every t- child needs a champion. So true. And like you said, a fresh start every single day. You don't leave on a bad note. You don't come in on a bad note if you're in my class. We're not going out with, if, even if something's happened right at the end of the day. Um, we we make time to deal with that. We make time for that two minute conversation to just say, hey, this, like, you know, this has just happened at the end of the day and I can see you're frustrated with me. I can see you're frustrated with the situation, but go away, have a good night, relax, enjoy whatever it is you're doing and we'll come back in the morning and if you're ready, we can talk about it then. And that's how we leave things. We don't leave things on an angry note. We don't leave things on a bad note. And we come back in, like you said, with a complete fresh start. And I think that's a, a really important yeah. end piece of advice for this episode. Uh, Hard this to do episode. though. Hard but, to do because yeah. you're human as well. And sometimes you're thinking, you know, you watch your class come in and you're like, oh man, I'm tired today. Swallow your pride a little bit. Exactly. And, and just put a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, swallow your pride and make sure that you are being that person for every child in your class. And obviously remember to circle back.
thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside Voices. We hope that you enjoyed the slightly longer episode and we would really appreciate any feedback that you have on that. Be sure to join us next week where we're going to be talking about Halloween and a primary school and all the fun that that brings. And remember that in here, we use our inside voices. Inside Voices.